Coming up on this episode of the Boss Lady Podcast. I think my first big, I need to change my life moment. And I often, there's a quote I read years ago, you know, if you find yourself in the wrong story, leave and start a new book. That mm-hmm. moment for me was when my son was born and he's my, my firstborn. And I, you know, was in this abusive relationship and, you know, just so sad and miserable. And also as a person, I wasn't doing what I really wanted to do. I didn't think I was capable of it. And I, it's scary to think about, but I think I could have convinced myself to do that forever if it wasn't for having a child and saying I could be miserable (laughs) for the rest of my life, but I can't let my little baby grow up and feel this too, or see this as his example. And so that was the first big yes. And then after that, those, those successes told me I need to keep reaching for the next thing and more. Mm -hmm. And that led me on that path. Welcome to the Boss Lady Podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, climbing the corporate ladder, or a work-from-home parent, you are a boss. If you desire to make your life extraordinary, to reach and exceed your personal and professional goals, and learn from other strong leaders, then the Boss Lady Podcast is for you. As an entrepreneur, mother, wife, and former CEO, I share lessons and stories of both personal and professional successes and failures. Join me along with a diverse list of guests as we break down strategies, tools, and techniques that will enhance your career and your life. Together, we will embrace, empower, and educate each other. I am Teresa Rand, and this is the Boss Lady Podcast. Welcome to the Boss Lady Podcast. I am, and I know I say this all the time, but you just have to bear with me. I'm incredibly excited about my guest today. It is someone that I've recently met that I uh, quickly consider a friend. That um, we, we had a long lunch together. She came and spoke at our local college for a group that I work with, and the students absolutely, I think, wanted to take her home with them. They love the message and just the connection, and we'll, we'll chat a little bit about that. Um, but my guest today is Dr. Laura McGuire, and I will introduce her to you in just a moment. If this is your first time listening to the Boss Lady podcast, thank you for being a listener today, and I hope you'll come back and join us more. If you are a regular listener, thank you, thank you for continuing to listen, whether you're listening while you're walking or in the car or whatever the case may be. I do not take for granted that it's 30 minutes or so of your time that you choose to share with me, and I thank you for that. So I don't do commercials. I just tell you, I'm Teresa Rand of the Boss Lady Podcast, and you can find out all you want to find out about me by going to LinkedIn or going to TeresaRandConsulting.com, and you'll see what I do for a living, what I do for work, what I do for a passion, uh, more than you may want to know about me. So with that... I am going to introduce my newfound friend, Dr. Laura McGuire. Laura, welcome. I was was waiting to get you on the podcast, so I'm so glad that we finally connected. Yes, me too. I was so excited when you described the podcast and the community to me, and I was able to see a little bit of your conference this year and to be part of these discussions because they're so important. Yeah, so important. And let me tell our listeners a little bit about you. She is a business owner of an organization called the National Center for Equity and Agency, 
She was a speaker, which is how I got to know her, engaged with her to speak to some students at our local college. She's also a scholar, hence the PhD, (laughs) Uh, but a scholar, a survivor, and an author of two books, which we will actually chat about in a few minutes. But Laura, I wanted to ask you first to describe for me and our listeners, when you say the National Center for Equity and Agency, equity... I think most people know what it is, but I know I didn't always know what that exactly meant. And people describe it, define it differently. So would you mind telling us when you came up with this name for your company, what does equity and agency mean to you? Yeah, good question. I And it's funny, I don't get that question as much anymore, but I used to get it all the time. And people would ask me if I was in real estate. <laughs> Like, oh wow! Oh, equity, like equity in a home. And I was like, uh, no, yeah, right. There's and exactly what you're saying. What what words we use? We have to be sure that people understand um, what we're describing with them. So the equity is for social equity, and that really is the deeper work uh, that we have to do in order to get to this kind of big global objective of equality for people. Mm-hmm. So equity asks us to show up and really listen to where people are meeting barriers, where they can't have access, where they're not given fair opportunities and to address that. And then mm-hmm. agency is more for the personal. Personal agency is a big piece of preventing things like sexual misconduct for understanding how to decrease violence and how to respond to survivors better. And so that we can really hopefully give that particularly to young people and to women and to other folks who are marginalized so that they know they can set boundaries and they can speak up and they can use their voice. So that's okay. That that's great. And that starts to fit in with the names of your books. Yeah. Now, with listening to you describe those two those two words, and your first book was Creating Cultures of Consent, and your second most recent book is Sexual Misconduct Prevention Guidebook. I, I think we could start, there's so much there, you know, that we could dig into, but how do you describe se- sexual misconduct? Because I mm. think that is... Some people have experienced it and maybe wouldn't label it that. Yeah. Yeah. So sexual misconduct, I think, is a a helpful word because it is so broad, right? It's not really focusing on one area. It's a good umbrella term um, because also so many times these things are experienced in conjunction and, and they're all connected, So sexual misconduct can be things like stalking or harassment, can be Mm -hmm. things like assault, molestation. Um, And it also is, even those things are so subversive because oftentimes we've grown up without understanding that consent piece. And so we think, you know, I, I don't think I've experienced something like these kinds of worst case scenarios I see on the news. Right. Right. And so I guess it wasn't that big of a deal, or I guess that wasn't an abusive relationship because I didn't have uh, bruises or scars they could bring to a hospital. 
Um, or mm-hmm. I don't think I was really sexually harassed at work because, you know, no one pinned me against a wall and said, do this or else. Right. Right. But the reality is, so, yeah, most people, particularly most um, people who identify as women or are assigned female at birth have experienced that throughout their lifetime in one form or another. Mm-hmm. And the more we're able to identify and address that, the more likely we are to decrease the risk of those other kind of escalations of those other things that we do see come up in um, the news media. Yeah. And you actually go into organizations and train and correct me if I'm using the wrong terms, but, and train team members how to recognize trauma in an employee or in a, uh, a customer or, or whatever the case may be to the point that you certify people as trauma informed. What would be the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Well, trauma informed practitioners in their field. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so all of these things that we, we focus on with the misconduct side also then translate to even other forms of violence and other forms of trauma. And so, yes, my, my business has really become the kind of industry leader in not just providing here's trauma-informed care, here's the concept of what it is, which is, is already been out there for many decades, which is awesome. Yeah. But then taking that and saying, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's talk about what that looks like in your everyday life based on what your profession, what your field requires of you. So we have a certification example, for example, for attorneys that looks very different than our certification for people who are in claims and insurance that looks different Mm -hmm. than our certification for victim advocates. Right. But they're all dealing with people with acute trauma. They're all taking on secondary trauma and they all need again, actionable pieces of, taking that concept and applying it to the people they serve and internally for themselves. Yeah. And I think it's a subject that is so valuable. And um, last week's podcast, I actually had a therapist on and we talked about all the, and I don't think trauma is too, too harsh of a word to use that the world has gone through, you know, between COVID and the racial and, dirty politics and mass shootings and now the hurricane for those of us in Florida, you know, that impacts you and that impacts your employees. And I think thankfully gone are the days of just sweeping that under the rug and, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and pretend nothing's wrong. So as an employee, it would be very helpful for me to to be able to notice that, pick up on that, or even deal with my own trauma to be a better human at work. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. So your book, Creating Cultures of Consent, is written mostly for educators and parents. Tell us a little bit about that, because this is an important topic to start early. Right. Right. I mean, Exactly. Exactly. So that was, that was my first book. And I wrote that very much with the intention of it being like a one Oh one book on everything that had been brought up by the hashtag me two years and that whole movement. And then people saying, okay, 
I see this is clearly a problem, but Hmm. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to start this discussion in my classroom. I don't know how it would apply to my subject area, or I don't know how to talk to my children or grandchildren or nieces and nephews about this. How do I get support on that? And so that's, that's exactly where it focuses is Mm -hmm. how do we build a culture that exemplifies this concept, which is consent. Um, and people sometimes think, oh, okay, consent's no means no, or consent is something we wait until they're dating. And then we tell them, you know, don't do these things or you'll get in trouble. And it's really so much more than that, right? Even with the no means no, many of us grew up with that phrase, but mm-hmm. we've shifted to teaching and talking about it's really yes means yes. Mm. And it's fascinating because now this consent paradigm has been something I've started to bring into those trainings and corporations because consent is often not present when we're communicating with our clients and getting them to agree to something or between supervisors and employees. We put pressure on people. We demand them to execute on things they don't really understand what they're agreeing to. And we don't allow them to say, this isn't working for me anymore. Right. And that's all, all those elements of consent. So really it's about all interpersonal communication needs to be operating from this lens. That's fascinating. I haven't thought about it. I mean, that goes really into every aspect of your life. Yeah. Exactly. So in your opinion, when do we, you know, I have seven grandchildren from 14 to to three. When do you start having these conversations at home? And of course, we know in school, that's a whole nother conversation that we could have a whole topic about what is and is not allowed in school. Uh, And in a perfect world, everybody does have this conversation at home, but we know that's not the reality and it never has been. And I don't think it ever will be. Some parents do, some parents don't. And in my opinion, we don't want the kids left out that don't get the conversation at home. They should have it at school. But that's my opinion. And, you know, uh, I think we probably share that, that. But let's talk about from a parent standpoint, when do I start having these conversations with my child? And is it different if my child is a girl or a boy? Good question. So the, the kind of overall answer in when can you start talking about consent with your child or a child is around 18 months old, Mm. because that's when we first have the cognitive ability to understand the word no. Right. And we just said it's more than no means no, but that is the first time our brains are developing to say, huh, other people have other needs and other boundaries, and we're not the same person, the same body. Truly, that's something we have to develop to learn. And so when we learn that is the perfect time to start talking about, okay, what does that look like? How do I tell if someone even non-verbally isn't really comfortable, right? Um, A great example that's come up through the years is even teaching a child with a family pet, right? Okay. The dog is showing you she doesn't want to be petted right now. She can't Mm. say no, but she's pulling away. 
What if your friend pulls away from a hug? How can we talk about that? Right. And again, for an 18 month old, you would just say, dog doesn't want the dog. He doesn't want to be petted right now. Let's respect that and redirect them. Right. But then they get a little older and you start talking. How do I realize these things are going on? I want to play with my friend on the playground. And, you know, I'm, and they said, no, and I'm trying to convince them come on. I want to play high and go see. Come on. Why? What if I give you my toy to play with first? Right? Well, that's not respecting their boundaries and that's not consent. So we really need to build it into those periods of our life because then imagine that child starts a relationship many years later it makes all the sense in the world. Of course, I would respect this person's no. Of course, I would listen right. to their body language. Of course, I would have these conversations. It makes so much sense. And yet, you know, here we are. I mean, I was in high school in the 70s when they were talking about sex ed in the schools and everybody was having a fit. And here we are 40 years later, <laughs> still having this conversation but I will say, and I, I think of, of my daughter and daughter-in-law, if, you know, when they see the grandkid, we see the grandkids and, you know, we want to hug them or kiss them goodbye. And they have taught them that if they don't want to get a hug right then or a kiss, they don't have to. There's no forcing you have to kiss grandpa goodbye or you have to kiss. And and my husband and I have learned to respect that. You know, that's okay. And the reality is 99% of the time they do. But occasionally they just don't. And and so I think this generation of parents, at least in my experience, is beginning to pick up on ways to respect a child's boundaries. Yeah. Because I'm not sure respecting a child's boundaries was popular when I was growing up. <laughs> we didn't have boundaries. We did what we were told, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which led to some problems. So How did you, and I know you have your own story because you shared your story with the students at the college. And and when I introduced you saying, you know, I think they wanted to take you home, that was no exaggeration. You know, thankfully you spent a couple hours even after you did your keynote with some students and it was very impactful because I think they heard this very put together young woman standing on the stage talking about getting her GED in the exact same seats they sat in, happened to be the same college, and then going on to have a PhD and having your own business and standing on this stage and presenting. And I know afterwards there were a lot of tears and a lot of young people coming up to, uh, and these aren't, this is a, a local college, so it's from 18, the average age at that college is 27. And I think there were quite a few moms talking to you. about, you know, getting through and keep going. So at what point in your journey did you decide to go down this path? Or was there one point? How do you get from sitting for your GED to now being a professor, speaker, and author on this particular subject? Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's such a good question and a big question. Uh, And I would say it's been a, a number of continual yeses right? It's been a myriad of experiences that made me say, I want something different. I want something more. I'm going to try for this. And then even when you do that, it's having to renew that yes every day, 
right? Which is very consensual, but it's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's difficult because even when you take a leap and say, I'm going to sit for my GED or I'm going to start a business, then, you know, a week later, you're like, what was I doing? (laughs) That was, that was a mistake. Oh my gosh. So I think so true. So true. Yeah. (laughs) I think my first big, I need to change my life moment. And I often, there's a quote I read years ago, you know, if you find yourself in the wrong story, leave and start a new book. That mm-hmm. moment for me was when my son was born and he's my, my firstborn. And I, you know, was in this abusive relationship and, you know, just so sad and miserable. And also as a person, I wasn't doing what I really wanted to do. I didn't think I was capable of it. And I, it's scary to think about, but I think I could have convinced myself to do that forever if it wasn't for having a child and saying I could be miserable (laughs) for the rest of my life, but I can't let my little baby grow up and feel this too, or see this as his example. And so that was the first big yes. And then after that, those, those successes told me I need to keep reaching for the next thing and more. Mm-hmm. And that led me on that path. And if I'm not mistaken, you're still reaching. You're in school again. Yes, I know. I'll never leave. <laughs> <laughs> so you're actually in seminary now, if I'm yes. correct. Yeah. 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 So uh, I think you're, you're a great example of continuing to learn and continuing to move forward that, 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 you know, there's really no end. There's just so much we can learn and so much that we can give back based on what we have learned. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what you do in your business, that the things you've learned, you now want to share. You're an expert and uh, have, have worked very hard to be an expert in the things that you've learned, the journey, and it just all is put together into something that you can teach others about, which I think is incredibly impactful. I know I remember one of the students saying that that particular day, she had every excuse in the world not to show up for class that day, or not class, but the speaking uh, gig that you did where the professor said, you know, we're going to listen to Dr. McGuire today. And yet she came and it was exactly, she was ready to quit. It was what she needed to hear. So I think often we do have to be open to hearing those gentle pushes, if you will, mm-hmm. that that it we need to do this one more thing yeah. and see what happens. Do you find that to be true? Oh yes, absolutely. And I, I still know that's like the best therapy for me. I, of course I love real therapy and I have a wonderful therapist, but I, I need those stories that push me and inspire me all the time, all the time, because as soon as you reach one level, you'll again, face the next obstacle, the next series of bad days, the next no's. And you need to hear from people who've said, Oh, I'm not just going to theoretically say this is tough and you should keep going. Let me tell you my story of how I did that yeah. and why it was so worth it. Um, yeah. th- that really fills our cup. We need that as human beings. Um, there's a, it absolutely does. Yeah. There's a great yeah, quote I'm, that says, um, you can't be what you can't see. And mm-hmm. I think that's also both for how I fill my cup and how, what I give back. 
so, so vital. You can't even really imagine sometimes the possibilities until you see it in front of you. Yeah. And I think it's so important that people that from the outside, people look and say, okay, you know, I, I said it earlier, but whether they're looking at you or they're looking at me, you know, it's these put together women that have been successful in their career. Now they, they have their own business. They're, they're educated. And I, what I'm trying to get to is it seemed for me, and I think it seems to for you, I feel more of an obligation to share my story because I am this woman in front of you that did get her education, has figured out, but I still have stories. And every time I choose to tell the story, you know, of divorced mom, working full time, putting myself back through school, graduating at the age of 42, rising up CEO in my organization, it impacts people better than if I just try to lecture, this is what you should do. Yes. You find that. And I think that's what made your speech so impactful um, for the students. And I'm sure for the, for the companies that you work for. Yeah. Are you finding that more and more companies are recognizing that they need the type of service you offer? That's well, that's a really important thing to kind of discuss because I think yes and no, right? Because on one hand, I think there's a different awareness because of how social conversations have evolved in recent years than ever before. And a lot of, a lot of the organizations or firms that reach out have invested already in things like emotional intelligence trainings. Mm -hmm. And and that's something else I do webinars and stuff on, but they're like, okay, we want in-depth next level. What is that? Sounds like it's what you've got. And that's really exciting. But on the other hand, there's still the outliers. They're still the industry leaders. They're not uh, really this cascade of other people that are all doing this. And on one hand, of course, that's exciting for them. And I always say, this is so exciting for you. You're really leading the charge. But the downside is we do need to get everybody on that same page because we can't, we can't really have major shifts in these paradigms unless people agree that this stuff matters. Right. And it matters in every aspect of our life, not just personal. Right. Exactly. I mean, I grew up in a generation where you kept personal and professional totally separate. And that's number one, not healthy. It's not good for the organization. And in a time where we want to retain employees, we want to retain good talent. We have to take care of the entire employee, not just while they're working with us or okay. for us or whatever the case may be. So, um, so how do we find you? How do we find Dr. Laura McGuire? <laughs> Obviously you're on LinkedIn, but yeah. uh, where else can we find you? Yeah. So on LinkedIn, I, on LinkedIn, I'm under Dr. Laura McGuire and then on Instagram and Facebook, I'm at same thing. Dr. Laura McGuire. I like to keep my handles okay. nice and simple. I know. Right. That's me too. Yeah. So it people can find you. Easy. Good, good. Well, I look forward to uh, seeing you again soon, I hope. Thank you for stopping by the conference and spending a day with us. I really appreciated that. And um, 
who knows, next year you may be up on that stage. <laughs> I'm always <laughs> looking for next year's speakers. The time is coming to prepare for the third annual Women's Leadership Conference uh, coming up. It'll be in 2023, more than likely still around September. But thank you for joining us and thank you for being here today. And, you know, Laura, I have to say, most importantly, thank you for sharing your story, your gift, your talent uh, with others. It's desperately needed. So you do not go without lots of appreciation from from me and I know from others as well. So thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. And, um, you know, yes, for, for those platforms, because the, the more I think we create environments where we can encourage and inspire each other and really be, be those people who keep lifting each other up, the more we can change our whole world. So thank you for being, being a key Absolutely. player in that. Good. Thank you. So as, as I always do, I will end today's podcast with my grandfather saying that he always told us when he was alive, he said, take time to stop and smell the roses. So until we meet again, take care.